that out. And uh, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, we're going to read verses 37 through 39. We're also going to then look at John, but we'll, I'll let you be seated before we do that. Matthew 22, amen. How many of you are awake today, alive and well? Amen. Feel like we haven't had church in two weeks. Amen. Matthew 22, beginning at verse number 37. Uh, then Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. For the past two Sundays we've discussed taking the limits off of God. Uh, we talked uh, three weeks ago, uh, we talked about taking the limits off of God and His ability. We know that He is able. And then two weeks ago, we talked about uh, taking the limits off of His power through worship, entering into worship and the presence of God in our lives on a regular basis. Today, we are going to talk about how we can take the limits off of God's love. Amen. So you might be thinking, how could I limit God's love? It's uh, very simple. We limit God's love when we don't love ourselves and when we don't value ourselves like God does. We limit God's love when we cannot do or uh, cannot receive the love of God and by not loving others the way that He intends for us. So we limit His love because there is a lack of understanding and a lack of love that is in our life. So here's the deal. Jesus loves everybody. Amen. Jesus loves the good people, the bad people. He loves, as the old song says, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in His sight. Amen. He, he loves every race. He loves every ethnicity. Uh, as, as one uh, preacher recently said, Jesus loves Muslims. Amen. Some people don't, don't want to hear that, but Jesus does. He loves Muslims. There's millions of Muslim people that Jesus loves and wants to save. Amen. And uh, so we need to really think about today, how can we take the limits off of God's love? And that's what we're going to discuss. Would you just bow your heads one more time as we pray and ask God to move today? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for what you're already doing in this place. And God, we want you to move in a special way. Help us to take the limits off of your love today. And God, we'll give you praise and glory for it all in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. I realize it's been a few weeks since we've seen each other, most of us. Uh, some of you that are in life groups and we're in life groups together, I've seen you re more recently, and uh, that's exciting, that's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled. I just want to say a couple awesome things uh, before I really get into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I thought it was really cool because this church, this, this building, this facility, and uh, Archie and Michelle were able to show love to our community this past Monday night. If you didn't see it, this church was on the news. Uh, the, the outside shot of the church, the inside of the sanctuary, even the fellowship hall, and uh, because we were letting the HOA uh, be part of our, uh, use our facility, uh, they asked if they could use the sanctuary because they were going to have a bigger meeting. The uh, superintendent for JCPS was here, and they had camera crews out here and everything, so uh, I, I 
called Michelle and I said, Michelle, you didn't tell me we was going to be on the news, you know, and uh, Tuesday morning on my Facebook feed, I saw, you know, all the shots of the church and, and I said, well, how did it go? And she said, yeah, we made coffee for them and hot chocolate. Aren't you glad we have a church that is uh, quick into action and we can facilitate the needs of our community? Amen. I'm thankful that we have a church that loves our community. Amen. And uh, so I just wanted to say that, and, and for those of you, amen, that you are uh, lacking in love today, I hope that before you leave this place, we're getting ready to go into February, it's the love month, right? And I'm hoping that before you leave here today, you'll have a different understanding uh, of what it means to take the limit off of God's love. So most people today are not able to love God and to love others like they should because they do not yet know how to love themselves. I think, uh, you know, if you could learn how to love yourself and you could learn how to respect yourself, you know, that you would then be able to get a, a better understanding and see the value and see the worth that God places on your life. Some of the reason why, you know, a lot of people have trouble, a lot of reason why people struggle in life is because they do not value themselves. They do not see themselves as worth much at all. And if this is you, if this is describing you or somebody that you know and somebody that you love, here's the deal. And this is, this is the unfortunate, sad case, I think, for most people is they cannot even receive God's love into their life. They can't receive that powerful love that changes their life because they do not even like themselves. And if you don't like yourself and you don't see value in yourself and uh, you think of yourself as nothing, then most of the time uh, you get to the place where you don't think you're worthy of love and you don't think you deserve anybody's love, especially God's love. How could God love me because He is good and He is righteous and He is holy? How could He love me? I, I don't deserve that. People dislike themselves for all kinds of reasons. Some people were born to parents or a parent who uh, degraded them constantly and caused them to feel bad about themselves. And others have been made fun of for physical uh, characteristics or things that are different about them than everybody else. and Things that they may or may not have any control over. And so people begin sometimes to feel uh, inadequate. They begin to feel insecure because uh, of their, their differences and, and what people said about them. I, I could just probably just not go very far into this, but I could say, how many of you uh, somewhere in your life up to this point, somebody said something about you or called you a name or inferred something about you and you remember what they said to this day? Amen. It's painful. It hurts. And you, you remember how uh, they belittled you and how they made you feel. And, and a lot of times we don't think about that, but those things stick in our spirit. And if we have enough of that, uh, then we end up feeling like we don't deserve love and we, we're not worthy of anybody's love. And so many people today, uh, they have been through that. Things that maybe they had no control over, things that happened to them, or maybe people that said stuff about them, or things that went on in their life, and, and, and they, they really 
didn't have a lot of control. Maybe they were they were they bounced around from from a foster home to a foster home, or maybe they had uh, you know parents who were abusive. Maybe they were in an abusive relationship. Maybe there were things that took place in their life. And many people today uh, have those things that just happen to them. And then there's people who uh, today they live with guilt from things that they uh, made happen, things that mistakes that they made or or sins that they've committed in the past, and life changing mistakes. And you know, I, I'm, I'm talking to somebody here today, amen, that you, you made some life changing mistakes. And because of those life changing mistakes, you think God can't love me and God can't use me. And there's no way, amen, that God would want to have anything to do with me because of what I've done. I, I've gone too far. I pushed the line too far this time. And, and so they feel like they can never move on from these things. And they feel like they were branded by these things. And there's no way everybody knows everybody can see amen and and so some people have major failures and setbacks in job they have uh, careers that don't work out and education and relationship failures that maybe they instigated and it, it and it brought about a self-loathing process in them and and now whenever somebody even brings it up I, I've, I've got people in my head right now that I've talked to even recently and I started just telling them how awesome they were and how how wonderful they were or good things about themselves and, and and you you recognize it right away they just kind of hang their head and they they don't want to accept it they don't want to receive it they don't know how to just say thank you and and move on and the reason why because somebody caused them to feel that way or maybe they brought stuff on themselves and and they feel uh, lower than they should and there are so many reasons today why people have trouble uh, loving themselves or even liking themselves we live in a world that's not kind and it's not friendly. We used to live in a, a more kind society, but now society is not kind. Amen. Now most of society is mean and rough and uh, we have to be uh, the, the love, amen, that this world needs, but, but we can't do that because some of us don't even love ourselves. We don't like ourselves. And, and so we see this trend in our society and I'm very burdened for people. I'm very burdened because people uh, are very judgmental and it's very easy for us, amen, to be judgmental and to look down our noses at everyone around us. It's very easy for us, amen, to to, uh, look around and say, hey, that person doesn't deserve the love of God or that person is is bad. They've done horrible things. But I I think of it this way. I think who doesn't deserve the love of God? Amen. Everybody doesn't deserve the love of God. Amen. The, The better question would be who really does deserve? Nobody. Nobody deserves the love of God. Amen. So how is it for me to judge or how is it for anybody to judge whether or not, amen, you are worthy or someone is worthy of the love of God? So this is what I want us to do today and it's going to require some mental uh, capacity on your part. You're going to have to start thinking of the things, amen, that people have said to you and that have happened in your life and the failures and the things that brought on that insecurity, the things that brought on uh, the self-loathing, amen, in your life. You're going to have to start thinking of those things right now and you're going to have to say, if I stack those up, they don't even compare because everybody's got some. That's right. And if you really want to, if you really want to, you know, kind of compare notes here, there's some people that they're worse off than you. There's some people that are better off than you. But the Bible says, don't compare yourself. 
Just know that God loves you. Just know that you are worthy. He thinks you are worthy. He thinks you are good. He thinks you are right. He thinks you are uh, deserving of His love. And so He came. Amen. And He gave His life for you. And, and just knowing that He gave His life for you should speak volumes to the fact, amen, that yes, you may not have deserved it, but He said you are worth it. Right. You are worth it. Amen. I, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell him, say, you are worth it. He said you were worth it. Amen. Of all the recorded instances that we see Jesus meeting people in the Scripture, did you know that the, the, the majority of the people that Jesus met didn't like themselves too much when Jesus first met them? Did you ever notice that? Man, it sticks out to me like it jumps off the page. Every time I, I read about Jesus meeting somebody, unless they were a religious type and then they loved themselves too much. Uh, but... <laughs> But the people who Jesus met, the common people that Jesus met, those people didn't even like themselves. They, they, most of them, they had issues with themselves and that was where they met Jesus. Isn't that so true of people today? That's where most people meet Jesus when they come to Jesus. Amen. You know, the old song says, I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad. Amen. How many of you came to Jesus broken? You came to Jesus in pieces. Amen. And you didn't feel like you were worthy. You didn't feel like you, you deserved anything. But He still loved you. And you came into His presence. And you felt His presence. And you felt His love. Not just in the service, but, but from His people. And from the church. And from the family. Amen. And you said, wow, this is incredible. I've never felt anything like this. I didn't know this was possible. Amen. There are several instances where people came to the crossroads in their life. They came to the crossroads, and at the crossroads of their life, they met Jesus. It, it, they didn't love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not where they were at that point. Uh, they, they, they couldn't do that. And I know that's the first and greatest commandment, but the second is like it that you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And the problem is we've gotten to a place in our history, in our society, where people don't like themselves. So the very first thing we have to talk about today and what we have to get through, how are we going to take the limits off of God's love? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to see how valuable you are to Him. You are valuable enough for Him to die for you. You're valuable enough that He never stopped reaching for you. He never quit coming after you. That's why you're here today. That's why you're watching this online. Because you know how much He loves you. He, he sees value in you. And, and something about that draws us. It's like, you know what? I, I, I like being chosen whenever I was growing up, I like being chosen for the, the basketball team or the football team or the pickup team, whatever we were doing. You know, dodgeball. It didn't matter. I just liked being picked up. I didn't like being the last guy standing against the wall. You know? Like, nobody wants you. Right? But that's how a lot of people come to the church and they're like, oh, the church has got all their people picked. They don't need me. And you feel like you're standing against the wall when you come to church. Like, that's why a lot of people don't come to church because they think they're going to be the one standing against the wall left out. And that's because the way they feel about themselves. They feel low. They feel like they are not worthy of God's love. And so we see people, uh, they ignore the first and greatest commandment, which is love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They can't do that yet because they don't even like themselves. 
And so they figure, what's the use? And so uh, the woman at the well in Samaria, we see the woman, amen, she was uh, there and Jesus came and talked to her. Look at the woman that was taken in adultery and brought, amen, they wanted to stone in front of Jesus. Look at Zacchaeus and even some of Jesus' disciples. All of these people had issues with themselves whenever they first met Jesus. So why do we think that everyone has to have it all together? Why do, we, why do people think that when you come to church, you have to have it all together? I mean, come on. Isn't that the natural thinking? It's like, well, I can't go to church yet. Anybody ever heard that? I can't go to church yet. I've got to work out some things in my life. I'm like, really? You're going to be working on them 10 years from now. Man, none of that stuff's going to change because you don't, you don't get good and then get God. You get God and then He helps you get good. Amen. You've you got to get the process down. Amen. you got to see how valuable you are to Him. And when these people in Scripture first met Jesus, you know, we, we act like, you know, once we come to God, let's be honest, once we come to God and, and He loves us, He forgives us, we repent of our sins, we're baptized in Jesus' name, He fills us with His Spirit, and then we start things start changing in our life, things start getting better, and even though we still have trials and tribulations, we know we have peace and we can sleep at night and God's good and He blesses us as we obey his word and so then what happens is people see us and they're like oh you have it all together I can't be a Christian I can't come to your church because I don't have it all together and what they don't know is they don't know that you were such a hot mess Jesus had to reach further out to save you than he will to save come on somebody Jesus had to reach further out to save some of us than He will to save some of our friends. But some of them can't see that because all they see is people that are put together. You know, people that got their life uh, maybe. And, and so we, and, and, and let, let's just be honest, some of us try to put on that facade that we have it all together, that we've got it all figured out. You know, they don't know we cry a lot. They don't know that we don't always have all the answers. Amen. Most of the time we don't. When people ask us, you know, what should I do? You know, I don't know. But you're the pastor, yeah, so. Doesn't mean I have to have all the answers. I know the one who has all the answers. But I don't know what you should do. Sometimes people ask me, and I don't know. You know? And let me just be transparent. Sometimes instead of saying, I don't know, I'm like, let me pray about it. Because really, I don't know, and the best thing I can do is pray about it. So that has become my trigger answer. If I don't really know what to tell you, as soon as you... Like, there's some things that are in the Word of God, I don't... I, I know what the Word of God says. And so, when you say something to me, I'm like, hey, you know, the Word of God says, well, boom, there you, there's your answer. Right? But sometimes people bring things to me, and it's not necessarily chapter and verse in the Scripture, and I don't know what to tell them, and so I'm like, let me pray about that. Why? Because I don't know. I don't have it all together. I'm 42 and I still don't have it all together. I thought at 40 I'd have it all together. Guess what, Joe? At 40 you won't have it all together. Amen. At 50, I talk to somebody who's 50 and I revere them. They're so smart and man, they're used to God mightily. And I was talking to them and this weekend they don't have it all together. They, I said, you're not giving me any hope. I was hoping by 40 and it hadn't happened by 40 so maybe by 50. They said, no, mm-mm, not going to happen. I've got, you know, uh, my parents are, are, are getting a, a little older and sometimes I think, you know, I don't have the answer. Let me, let me ask the parents and the in-laws. And guess what? They don't have the answers either. 
What what am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to say nobody has it all together. Nobody has it all figured out. And so we all sometimes act like we have it all put together. But most times the very thing that brings us to Jesus is the thing that is causing us to dislike ourselves the most. It's that thing that nags at us. That thing that bugs us, right? Some of us, we we don't know how to act around people. Well, it just got real quiet. We don't know how to... Why don't we know how to act around people? Because we don't think people will really like us if they got to know the real us. That's all right. You don't have to say amen. Because you're exposing yourself if you do. See, that's, I'm, you know, I know, what it, I know what it's like to be in a, in a room and a crowd and say, man, if people really knew me, I don't know that they would like me. You know what? Here's, let me let you in on a little secret. You're not the only one that feels that way. You're not the only one that feels that way. Every one of us in this room has felt that way. You say, well, you know, but Jesus wouldn't even love me if He knew some of the thoughts of my heart. He knows every thought of your heart and He still loves you. Amen. What, what's powerful about the church, and I'm going to get into this and just say, what's powerful about the church is that we know, uh, you know that you have sin. We know that you have uh, faults. We know that you have insecurities. We know that everybody is dealing with things. But the great thing about the church is this is a safe place. Amen. Amen. You can come into the church. You can come into the body of Christ with all kinds of faults and insecurities and failures and find love. Amen. You won't find that everywhere. Because sometimes once people find out at a job, you know, they find out you don't really have it all together. Sometimes they want to get you out of the job. You know, you, you, you uh, get into a circle of friends and, and they find out that you're not everything that you say that you are. Man, they're like, well, we don't have time for you anymore. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, and you're trying to talk to them and they're looking for somebody else to talk to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you feel that. It's a sting. You feel, man, I don't know. But you know what? That's not how it is at the church. That's not how it is in the body of Christ. That's not how it is with God. You come and you say, you know what, God? I'm really messed up. You know, I wanted to choke somebody today and I almost ran so-and-so off the road because of what they did. And, and, you know, that lady at the store, if she would have said one more thing to me, you know, come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and you know, and, you know that's, that's just outside. Then you have to deal with people in your own family and you're like... God, if my sister, you know, if my brother, if my dad, if my mom does one more, you know, you just feel like you're at the breaking point, you know. I can't believe my son would say that to me. I can't believe my daughter would do that, you know. And you just, you get to the place where you're just so frustrated. Amen. And, and, and you know, the crazy thing is you, you don't know who to tell because like anybody else you tell, you know, it looks like you don't have it all together, like you've lost your mind. The great thing is when, when you start talking to God about that and you start saying, you know, God, I got some real issues, I got anger issues, I got some control issues, you know, I got these insecurities, God, I'm dealing with all this. And you know what happens? Just more love and more love and more love. And he's just like, it's okay, it's okay. I died for you. I got this. Amen. We're going we're gonna to work through this together. Amen. And the body of Christ surrounds you. Amen. Even though you're unperfect, amen. Even though you have faults, and even though we get on each other's nerves, amen. There's something about the love of God. There's something about it that's so powerful. Amen. It can reform us. It can reshape us into what we're supposed to be. Amen. I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad. And He took my sins away. Amen. Do you know why a lot of times we struggle with loving ourselves? It's because of sin. 
sins we've committed and sins that have been committed against us. A lot of people say, oh, it's just mistakes and, you know, I'm just a mistaker. But it's sin. <laughs> it's sin. It's really sin. Amen? Sin is what destroys relationships. Sin is what broke the original relationship between us and God. Amen? And sin is what keeps us from other people. Sin is what keeps us from being in relationship with God. And I came to Jesus broken, weary, worn, sad, everything in my life messed up. I didn't feel good. But Here's what happened. He took my sin away. And when He took my sin away, when He washed away my sin, when I was uh, baptized in Jesus' name, when I, uh, when I finally surrendered and repented of all my sin, Amen, He took all my sin away. And guess, guess what happens when He takes my sin away? I start seeing my value. I start seeing my worth. And then He puts His Spirit on the inside of me. And some people say, well, I want to receive God's Spirit, but I haven't received it yet. You will. The best way to receive God's Spirit is empty yourself out of everything that's all you. Amen. Amen. All your ambitions, all your desires, everything you want. You've got to get to the place where, uh, you know, some people say, don't hold me under when you baptize me because they are you know, nervous about water. And I promise I'll never hold anybody under. But if I were to hold you under... So you're getting real nervous. Look, I've never done it. But if I were to hold you under, what would you want to come back up for? Air. Air, right? You would want to have a breath of air. You can only stay under the water for so long without air. And, and, and one preacher said it like this, you have got to want God as much as you want that next breath of air. If you don't want God that much, if it's just kind of, I'd like to add you into my life, Jesus, then it's probably not going to be enough. Because He wants us to have complete surrender. He wants us to give up everything and say, I'll take whatever you have for me, Jesus. Amen. So what does coming to Jesus uh, enable us to do? We come to Jesus, we're broken, we realize we're not any good, we don't even see our value. What, what, what does that do for us? Well, when we come to Jesus, it helps us to be able to start seeing our value. It helps us to be able to start loving ourselves. Amen. I know this is not... You know, always the typical um, message for me, but this is this is what our church is all about. We're a church where love is the answer, and sometimes we have to be reminded. Amen. Not everybody has it together. When we come, amen, into the house of God, when we stretch ourselves and we are in the presence of God, we start to see things for how they really are. It's not just our depravity, but it's our worth to Jesus. The fact that He loves us. The fact that, uh, you know, He wanted to give Himself a sacrifice for us. Others uh, have done things against us. We have done things to ourselves, but Jesus has never let us down. Amen. Outside the presence of God. It's a dangerous place. It's a scary place. We not only forget these things outside of the presence of God, but the devil will try to convince us that there is no way that God could truly love us, not after... And I'll let you finish it. That's why it's powerful when we come together. That's why it's powerful when we're in life groups and we're praying together for each other and we're ministering to each other. Why is that so powerful? Because that is the love of God in action. And whenever we get outside of the presence of God, we start to question, God, could you really love me? Could you really forgive me? Could you really uh, allow me to, to do something in your kingdom? There's no way that God, you could truly love me, not after this. Well... Outside of the presence of God, there is no true love. Outside of His presence. Because God is love. 
and outside of His presence, everything is, is purely emotion. Everything is it's just feelings. Somebody uh, posted a question the other day and they said, is love a choice or is it a feeling? Well, I'll let you think about that. How do you think Jesus felt when He went to the cross? Do you think He felt like dying and being crucified in His flesh? Probably not. It was a choice that He made. And the Bible says that He did it for the joy that was set before Him. What was the joy? You and I and us being in relationship with Him. Amen. And so outside of the presence of God, there is no true love. The world has lust. The world has feelings. The world has emotional attachment. But love, true love, is of God. Amen. That's why there's no hope outside God. That's why there's no true uh, lasting hope outside of God and the presence of God because there's no true love. And so you must ask yourself, how can I become whole? How can I've got all these pieces and I'm broken and, and, and things in my life aren't right and if people knew they would look at me a different way. And you know what? And the devil will just make that even worse. He'll blow that up as big as he can. Amen. He'll blow it up as big as He can to make you feel like you don't deserve it or you're not worth it. But can I tell you, amen, you've got to learn how to move beyond that and take the limits off of God's love in your life. You've got low self-esteem, amen, but God wants to help you. He wants to show you how much He loves you and His love is the answer in your life. Amen. Some of us today, we're in that place where we feel like you know, I know that God loves me. I just don't know if I like me. I know God loves me. I know, I know He wants to do great things in my life. And I hear you talk about that, preacher. But I, I just, I don't know. I just, I keep making the same mistakes over and over. I keep falling into the same traps over and over. Part of the reason why that is, is kind of a, it's a cycle, right? We, we, we fall into a cycle where we, we feel bad about what we've done, but then we, we go chasing after things that we think are going to fulfill, things that are going to bring that love into our life, but they never do. And then we go through that cycle again where we feel guilty and we feel bad. And instead of getting closer to God, instead of opening up and bearing our soul to God, instead of like telling God everything and allowing Him, amen, to, to just be in on everything in our life. Now, this is what I'm talking about. This is, this is where we are right now. How many of you have ever had a really good conversation with somebody and you told them things you never told anybody else? Anybody ever had a conversation like that? Now, depending on how that conversation went, depending on how that was met, probably determined whether or not you feel like you can open up to people. Because if you're one of those people that you opened up and man, somebody took your stuff and blabbed it and hurt you with it, you probably don't trust people very, very much. Now here's the here's what I'm gonna flip it over now. How many of you have had a good conversation with somebody and you knew they really cared and wanted what was best for you after the conversation, even after they knew you, even after they saw the ugly side of you, right? And they still loved you anyways. How many of you remember that conversation? Isn't that awesome? Now, here's the, here's the thing. Some of you will tell psychiatrists things. You will tell a doctor things. You would tell, you know, whatever. You tell a good friend something. But you can tell God anything. Right. Like there are things, I know people who say, I can't even tell my spouse that. Well, why not? But 
I get it. There are some things you don't want to bring up, and you're trying to—not that you're trying to keep secrets. You just don't want to deepen the hurt or whatever. But there, there is nothing that you can't tell God. When you tell God, you know what, God, I'm a really bad sinner. I, you know, I did this the other day. Anybody else would be like, oh. <laughs> you're like, I can't even tell. I can't tell my spouse. My spouse would be like, seriously, can't believe. I don't want to be around you anymore. And, and you would have to deal with that, and you know it. So you don't tell anybody. But you, you tell God how bad you are. And you know what He says? And I love you. I love you. Here's the thing. You can never go too far that He doesn't love you. You, you can never... You know, some people think, I've gone too far, I've done too much, I've seen too much. I've, 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 there's no way. I've, I've turned my back on God too many times. If you're here and you can hear what I'm saying today, you're not too far gone. Because every time, every time we say, well, there's no hope for me, God says, hey, I made it. I made it. There's, there's hope for you. There is hope for you. I made a way for you on the cross. And there is hope for you today. Amen. But there is no hope outside of the things of God. And I want to encourage you today. Amen. Once you learn how to love yourself, to like yourself, to see the value that God sees in you. And I know it's very important that all of us get that. We, we have to get that because that's how we help each other. If we don't get it and we're struggling, guess what? Hurt people hurt people. When you're hurt and you got open wounds and somebody says something to you and you, and you fire back, you know what I'm saying. And then people walk out and say, I can't believe people in that church, they're so mean and rude and hateful. You know why? Because they don't like themselves. There's some churches like that. They've got a lot of people in them that don't like themselves. And they've never allowed the love of God to begin healing them. I know it's deep. It's not what I'm, you're used to. and Trying to talk about taking the limits off of God's love. and Most people don't want to... We don't want to fess up. We don't want to act like, you know, we, we got it all together, Pastor. We're okay. You're probably talking to, you know, somebody over here or somebody over you know. Not me, Pastor. Until we deal with these things, we're just putting off, let's just be honest, we're putting off inevitable depression and probably a breakdown. Anybody that's ever had one, it's not fun. I feel like the whole world is crashing in on you. I feel like everything, everybody's against you, everybody hates you, there's not one person that's for you. And you may have all kinds of people in your corner loving you trying to uplift you, trying to say good things to you. But man, if you don't let God's love in and you don't start seeing your value, it's, it's just going to, it's, it's depression waiting to happen. If you find yourself in need of healing and wholeness, I want you to hear this today. Love is the answer. We have to take the limits off of God's love on our own lives. Before we do anything else, let's, let's, let's get this down in our spirit. God loves you more than you could ever even imagine. It doesn't matter what you've done, but I've killed somebody. It doesn't matter what you've done, but I cheated on somebody. It doesn't matter what you've done. I did this, I did that, I've, 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 I've done horrible things. It doesn't matter what you've done. Whether you're sitting in here today or you're listening on the, on the live stream today, it really doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you. And if you are able to hear what I'm saying to you today, God is reaching for you. John 15, 9 and 10 as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, He says, remain in My love. And then He says, if you keep My commandments, you will remain in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commands and remain in His love. How can we remain in God's 
in, in His love? How can we remain in God's love? Anybody? He says it right here. He says, you will remain if you keep My commands. So you know what we have to do? We know that God loves us. We realize that He's got something powerful for us. and Love is the answer. So we've got to get into His Word. We've got to see, what are your commands for my life? And then He said, you will remain in my love if you're keeping my commands. If you are whole, you will be able to remain in His love. If you are whole, you can begin to love others and treat others the way that you want to be treated. If you are whole, then you'll be able to accept the love that God has for you. And you'll realize that He has already paid the price for everything in your past and that you can begin to move forward in His love. In John 15, 1-11 and also Matthew twenty two thirty seven, we are commanded to love God. It's hard to love God when you don't like yourself. But if you are whole, if you are whole and you have received God's love, then you can love Him in return because the Scripture says He first loved you. Matthew 15, 12 and 13, My command is this, just as Jesus talking, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his own for one's friends. John 15, 12 and 13, Matthew 22, 39. We're instructed to love each other as we love ourselves. Woo! Well, if you don't like yourself, that's a problem. Right? And some people, they like themselves way too much. Let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. There's some people that they just selfish. They love themselves. They think they are the best thing since sliced bread. And the Bible says you are supposed to love the people around you like you love yourself. And, and so it's important to love yourself and to appreciate yourself and to value yourself because then you start showing that to other people. That would simply mean, in our society, that would simply mean unconditionally. How am I supposed to love? Unconditionally. But they're not like me unconditionally they're not my same color unconditionally well I want to step on any toes I just want to say black lives matter but so do white lives so do Asian lives so do Hispanic lives all lives matter right I, I just want to say, uh, you know, if you really love and you really value people, it doesn't matter what upbringing they had or what ethnicity they are you love them, amen We live in a very divided society. We're instructed to love. In our humanity, a lot of times, even though we start valuing ourselves and liking ourselves, sometimes we get that out of proportion. And let's be honest. Let's just be honest. We start seeing other people more like, you know what, I know God loves me, and I know He loves Crystal, and I know He loves John, and I know He loves Joe. But I'm not sure about Bob over here. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, Bob, he's a character. And anybody know what I'm talking about? And we start to, we start to then, I don't know why we do it, but we do. I, I've seen people do it with Muslims. It's like, you know, love Jesus on Sunday and then on Monday on Facebook they're like kill all the Muslims wait, wait a second what is wrong with you 
you know. And then you got some people who they 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 you know. I love God, love all, all my friends, love all my people, but these people over here that are not quite like me, I don't know if we should even waste our time or money. Look, I'm not trying to be political here, so don't don't misunderstand me, but do you think that God loves you more than He does that little Muslim girl? Do you think He loves you more than He than He does the little uh, the little boy that goes to goes to prayer with his father? It's really hard for us because we 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 want to pick and choose. Like I know God, I'm hard to love, but really them, you know. We start to see everybody that is wrong as they're bad, they're terrorists, they're horrible. Well, not everybody is. Are there? Yeah, there are. Absolutely. Should we make measures to try to you know protect our 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 people, our country, our communities? What? Yeah, absolutely. No problem with that. But at the same time, let's not forget to be praying for them. Let's not forget to be loving them. Let's not forget to be asking God to show His love to them. Because this is what's happening all over the world. There's several Muslim nations where God is giving dreams to these Muslim people. They can't openly talk about the things of God. They can't go out and witness and knock on doors and you know do flash mobs with uh, the Hallelujah Chorus in their malls. They can't do that. Because the government and people, will, will, they'll take them out and kill them. You think, I mean, you, well, I, I don't want to get into it, but it, it's bad. They can't do that. They can't talk about that. The missionaries, we have missionaries that are in the Middle East. They can't say that they're a missionary. They're, they're consultants, they're advisors, they're speakers, they're teachers, they do all different kinds of things, but they can't say what they do. Why? Because they just take them and kill them. And you say, well, I don't understand. That's bad. Those people are bad. You know what's happening though? There's people who are hungry for the things of God. And those people who are hungry, God's giving them dreams. And God's leading people to the missionaries. God's leading people to those that are hungry. And they're being baptized in Jesus' name. They don't call it being baptized in Jesus' name. They say they go swimming. And they go swimming. And so whenever they make their reports, they say 24 people went swimming today. It's awesome, right? But they're getting baptized in Jesus' name. They're being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, these people who are, are wearing their, their, their full dress and their headgear, and you wouldn't know who they were. And the missionaries have to be very careful how much information they divulge, divulge before they find out the intent of the people that are coming to them. It's scary. It's dangerous. And I know some of you are like, oh, well, that's, that's them. I don't even want to think about that. I, I'm going to go uh, get a nice bite to eat. I'm going to go into the nice place where I live. I'm going to drive in the nice vehicle that I have. And, and, and I'm going to think about maybe posting a little scripture or something on Facebook this week and sharing God's love. And then we have missionaries that say, you know what? I'll take my family and we'll go into the nether regions of the earth. We'll, we'll talk to people who, if they found out we were Christians, they would kill us. And we'll share God's love. And we say, you do it your way, we'll do it ours. I'm just saying. We have to be very careful about how we share the love of God. If we think certain people deserve it and others don't, then we're putting limits on God's love, aren't we? So we support these missionaries. We, we go when we can go. We pray for them. We should pray for these nations. Amen. We should be praying for these people. Why? Because God loves them and He wants to save them just like He saved us. 
So who is worthy of God's love? That's a good question. Who is worthy of His love? Everyone. Everyone. How can we take the limits off of God's love? Well, first we've got to like ourselves. We've got to see our value. And then we have to love others the way that Jesus loves them. How does Jesus love them? He loved them enough to lay down His life for them. He loved them enough, amen, to inconvenience Himself, to be uh, made uncomfortable. And, and, and how do we love people the way that Jesus does? By loving them as we love ourselves. And I, I read a book not too long ago, I told you about this, but how, who should we love? And when should we love them? And the answer to that is everybody and always. Everybody and always, no matter what they've done, no matter what situation they find themselves. When was the last time that you looked at somebody that you just met and in your mind you began to think, I love you. I love you. I don't know much about you yet, but I love you. And here's the thing. You don't love them because you know everything about them. You don't, you don't love them because of the way that they look or how they smell or what they've done for you. You don't love them because of all those little material things. You love them because you know that Jesus loves them. It's really quiet in here. Why don't you try that this week? Why don't you pray and ask God to help you to love others the way that He loves them? Can we do that this week? Social experiment. Meet somebody, you meet somebody, and you just start in your mind thinking, I love you. I love you. And you start looking at them, I love you. Well, it's easy to do with people that we know and people that we're familiar with. It's easy to look at them unless they cross us, and then it's like, oh. then we give them the stink eyes. But with somebody that you don't know very well, somebody that you just met, and, and, and just love them. I love you. I love you because Jesus loves you. Maybe it's that person at, at, at you know Taco Bell or person at the store that you know you're like, oh my goodness, not today, right? Maybe it's that person, and and you've got to think to yourself, I love you because Jesus loves you. And then here's the next part of it. This and this is this is God really dealt with me this week and kind of blew it up in my spirit. It's not just I love you because Jesus loves you. It's I love you and I want to be here for you. There's a reason that our paths have crossed. There's a reason that you and I are speaking today. Maybe I'm the only chance you're going to have to see Jesus this week. Maybe I'm the only chance that you're going to have to talk to somebody this week. And I'm telling you, when you start looking at people that way, and you start looking at things that way, uh, here's what's going to happen. God's going to bring people into your path that are hungry. God's going to bring people into your path that are desperate for love. They are looking for love. And as the old song says, in all the wrong places. But God's going to lead them to you. I don't want to bore you. I feel like I'm boring you. When was the last time that you looked at somebody though and you loved them? I love you. I, I, I love you. I, I don't know what God wants to do in your life, but I love you. In John 14 and 15, Jesus goes on and on and on and on and on. Man, read 14 and 15 of John. He goes on and on about love. He describes this love as something that will define us and, and it will define how others see us as Christians and as Jesus' followers. Here are just a few highlights of what He describes. If we truly love, we will be loved in return by Him. If we truly love, we will obey Jesus' instructions. If we truly love, we will receive 
the Comforter or the Holy Spirit. If we truly love, then we will serve others. If we truly love, we will give of ourselves freely. If we truly love, the Scriptures say He said they will bear fruit. That means they will make disciples. They will uh, reproduce themselves in others. Why? Because there's something about truly love. And some people say, well, I want more of Jesus. I, I really do. I want to be close. Then you have to empty yourself out of you. As I close today, I want you to ask yourself, are these active in my life? Are these things active? Am I feeling loved in return by Him? Do I obey Him? Do I, have I received the Comforter? Have I, am I willing to serve others? Do I give of myself freely? And am I bearing fruit? And if not, then something needs to be cultivated in the love area of our life. I'm not talking about the feeling. I'm talking about the choice. I love Him because He first loved me. I love others because He loves others. Come on, somebody. Love is the answer. It's not, you know, can I just be honest with you? A real good church is not a clean, tidy, everything looks perfect church. It's not a church where everybody has it all together. A good church is a messy church. It's a messy church. Messy, emotional church. And here's why. Because if you go to uh, an ER, you go to the hospital, you go someplace, you know what? The, the, the ones that are, yeah, I know you don't want to think of a messy hospital, but, but just think about it. There's a lot of nasty stuff that goes in at an emergency room at a hospital. But guess what? There's a lot of people that are thankful that that emergency room is there. And, and, and it's the same way. When we come to Jesus, we're broken. There's things in our spirit. There's things in our life that are messed up. And we come to Him. And we need to make the church a place. We need to make our getting together a place where people feel loved. I don't want anybody to ever come to our service and think, oh, I, could never, I could never fit in there. Man, that would be the worst thing ever, right? I don't want somebody to come to our church and say, oh, that church, they have it all together. They got this, they got that. And I just, I, I don't really fit in there. Many of you know this, you know this about me. I, I have no problem dressing up, wearing suits, ties. Got no problem with that. But I have purposely, uh, many times, I have purposely not worn a tie and dressed down a little bit because uh, here I have met people that they said... I'm, I'm dressed like this. They met me and they said, I would love to come to church, but I don't have anything to wear. And I said, look, you don't have to dress up. Oh, but... And then they look at me and I'm saying, oh, you don't have to dress up. Look at me, you know. And so I purposely sometimes will not dress up because I want them to feel comfortable. Some of you are like, huh. Look, I'm not wearing, you know, ripped out jeans and torn t-shirts and you know spiking my hair or anything like that. I'm just saying I, I want to do whatever I can for our churches to be places where people can feel loved. Whatever that takes. And, I, and I'm not saying that we're going to compromise the doctrine. I'm not saying that we're going to compromise our holiness or anything like that. But we need, to, we need to think outside the box because we live in a different society. And whatever we need to do to share His love, that's what we need to do. Would you stand with me? How can we take the limits off of His love? Well, we first have to value ourselves. Then we have to love Him in return. We have to let Him and His love change the things in our life that we know need to be changed. What are you talking about? Some of you are you're living with anger. You're living with hatred. You're living with bitterness. And that's not of God. And what He wants to do is He wants His love to come inside 
and to, to, to get rid of all that hurt, all that fear, all that bitterness and anger, all that unresolved mess that's between you and other people. And He wants you to then be able to see people with His love. You got a problem with somebody? I, I challenge you this week, pray for them out loud every day. You got a problem with somebody? Fine. You can't talk to somebody? Fine. Start saying their name and, and start praying forgiveness over them every day. Sister Geta did something to you? God, I forgive Sister Geta for looking at me funny at church last week. I forgive her. Now I know that's I'm being silly, but some of you have real hurt. Somebody said something to you, somebody did something. Why don't you try forgiving them out loud every day this week? You'll be amazed at what will happen in just seven days. Your attitude about them will start to change. You'll start to feel sympathy for them. You're like, I don't want to feel sympathy, so I'm not praying. Guess what? Unless you allow God's love to come in, unless you begin to manifest God's love, you're always going to be lacking and looking for something. How can I do that, Pastor? Well, first thing you got to do today is you got to repent of your sins. If there's anything in your life that's not pleasing to God, and you know God's dealt with you about something, you need to get into the presence of God. Repentance brings us into His presence. When we're willing to acknowledge, I don't have it all together. I'm broken. God, I need you. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. We repent. That's the first step. Because there's nobody here that's good. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. None righteous among us. Not, not a holy one among us. Why? Because we're all humans. We all make mistakes. So we repent. We come to God. We get into His presence and we ask for His forgiveness. He's holy. He can't dwell in unclean vessels. So we've got to be cleansed. The second thing we've got to do if you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name to wash away every sin and every stain. And if you have already, some of you have already been baptized, but it's been a little while and you're like, maybe I should get baptized again. You know what you need to do? You need to ask for the cleansing blood of Jesus that was applied to you in baptism in His name. You need to ask for His cleansing blood to wash over your life again. And then you need to be filled and receive the Spirit of God. Why? Because it's His love coming into your life. If you haven't yet received the Holy Ghost, you need to first of all accept it is for me. It is for me. It's not just for so-and-so. It's not just for them. Not just for pastor. It's for me. I wonder if you just look at your neighbor and say, it's for you. It's for you. Now, do you believe that? If you believe that, if, you, if they said it's for you, and you believe that, I want you to tell them, just signifying that you believe that, I want you to tell them, it's for me. It's for me. Now, if they didn't say it's for me, whoever said it's for you, say it to them again. It's for you. It's not just for the good ones. It's actually for the bad ones. It's not just for... It's not, Come on now. It's not just for the clean people. It's for the dirty ones. It's not for the whole people. It's for the broken ones. Jesus said, I didn't come to call uh, the, the righteous but sinners to repentance. He said, the ones that are whole don't need a physician but the ones that are sick need the physician it's for everyone and then this is what I want to challenge you to do I want you to get honest with God get honest with God how many of you when you pray you say all kinds of stuff that you think you're supposed to say but 
When was the last time that you got really honest with God and you said, God, if you don't help me through this, if you don't take care of that, I don't know what I'm going to do. You have bitterness in your heart. You have unforgiveness in your heart. You have things that are building in there. And you need to say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't I don't feel like loving that person. I don't feel like moving forward, whatever it is, and get honest with him and get into his presence on a regular basis. If you will do that, you'll take the limits off of God's love in your life. Today, if you're here, and again, I want to challenge you. I already gave you your homework. Look at somebody with God's love this week. Be there for them with God's love this week. You don't even have to say it out loud. Just in your mind think it. You can, some people say, well, I go around telling everybody that Jesus loves them. That's fine. Why don't you show them? Just show them. Just be Jesus' love for them. With your mind, with your uh, focus, with your attention, with your body language, why don't you just share God's love with them? I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Take the limits off of God's love. If you're feeling bad about yourself, you don't think, just get come, come on up here today. Get into the presence of God. Let Him show you how much He loves you. Amen. If you're having trouble loving Him in return, get, make it a daily habit that you're going to be in His presence. Read His Word. Talk to Him. Be honest with Him. Journal if you have to. Write it down in a notebook. Do whatever you have to do. Whatever works for you to get into His presence on a regular basis. There's all kinds of audio. There's all kinds of video. There's music that you can listen to. Stuff just to encourage you to get into the presence of God. That's what all that's there for. And then if you're having trouble loving others, then ask Him about it. Forgiveness. Let forgiveness flow in your life. And start doing social experiments everywhere you go. I love you. I love you with Jesus' love. I can't help it. I can't help it. He loved me and He loves you, so I'm loving you. And spread the love because love is the answer. This altar's open. If you want to repent, amen. If you want to ask God to forgive you, if you want to ask God to forgive somebody else that's done something to you, whatever it is that you need to do, I want you to spend some time today, amen, being honest with God, being open with God, and letting love shine in your life.